Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 53 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am uh, one half of the host duo. My name is Brad Rowland, and with me today, as always, is Carlos Colazzo. What's happening, man? It's going pretty good, Brad. Glad to be back talking about baseball. We actually have a spring training game down. We'll get into that in this podcast, but right now, I am avoiding watching the Daytona 500 with my mother and talking to you about the Braves, so I'd say uh, it's a good day. Yeah, I think you made the right decision. Uh, for those of you uh, listening to the podcast, we are recording this uh, early on this Sunday because both of us have other commitments later in the day. So we're recording about 2.30. So uh, my apologies on not being able to wrap up all of what transpires in this Sunday afternoon Braves spring training game. But we could talk about a game and a half or so that's taken place so far. Uh, I guess we'll leave with that just because it's the easiest way, easiest way to do things. Uh, on, on Saturday, the team debuted. Uh, in, in, in truth, I don't really care about who won the game, but the Braves won. Uh, <laughs> Bartolo Colon was on the mound. Uh, he pitched okay. You know, two innings, one on a run. John Danks got rocked. Uh, Akil Morris was was apparently impressive. This game was not was not on television, so I did not see a second of it. But uh, and he, yeah, I know and he, Grant said Akil looked really good. He struck out the. I think he struck out three batters in two innings of work. Uh, so it was nice to hear that he was good, but I I wasn't able to watch the game as well. No one, uh, no one, no one was luckily. I don't think unless you were, you know, yeah. shots to Grant, who's in Orlando, so mm-hmm. you got to actually see it. So I'll, I'll rely on on him on that one. But uh, in general, sort of a un- uneventful start. And then today, as we uh, as we record this, of course, the game is still going on. But Julio Tehran has already pitched uh, pitched two innings, did not allow a run, uh, did walk somebody with one strikeout. Kind of what you want to see from Julio, just kind of be good. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be panicking if he was bad, but it's always nice to see him be good. And uh, Aaron mm-hmm. Blair actually kind of got uh, touched up a little bit after him. He's actually out of the game now, but uh, pitched two innings, three hits, two walks, and an earned run. Uh, did, did strike out three for Aaron Blair, but not the greatest start in the world if you were hopping on the Aaron Blair bandwagon. But uh, I don't know, Carlos. There's not too much in the way of uh, sample size to talk about, but it's always fun that there's Braves baseball going on. Yeah, no, it would be cooler if we could actually have like watched some of these games to kind of get a look at things. Uh, it's it's a lot harder to talk about the team knowledgeably just looking at box scores over a game and a half. Like you said, you don't really want to draw too many conclusions in spring training in general and just looking at a game and a half of stuff. Uh, I mean, you don't want to get too crazy at this point. You're really I looking do. for health. Let's go. Let's and, get uh, wild on this one, Carlos. Let's just start making proclamations. All right, let's go ahead and training. just project Aaron Blair's future based on his outing today, his Released. trainings of work today. He'll be, he'll, be, he'll be released tomorrow by the time this podcast posts. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's fine. Yeah. No, so uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be exciting to actually be able to watch them. I don't know how many of the Braves games are actually televised this spring, but I'm excited to actually catch one. I want to say it's like five or six, but uh, for the most yeah. part, uh, you and I are not able and. Uh, 
I'm willing. I, I'm not. I would not say I'm able to go down to Orlando uh, <laughs> for a extended period of time to watch these games. So hopefully we'll have some people on the podcast that can talk more more uh, eloquently about it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get Grant on because I believe Grant's down there the entire way or at least close to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, your pal Kevin McAlpin was on before he went down there, but uh, he's of course on site as well. So plenty to talk about. But uh, there you go. Spring training results have happened so far, and the Braves are playing baseball, which is a lot of fun. Um, uh, we'll get away from that as, as fast as humanly possible, though, because there's other <laughs> things that are more intriguing. Uh, one of which is that the Braves added two players to the, to the organization this week, one of which matters more than the other, but we'll start with the one that matters less, in my opinion. Uh, former Georgia football player Sanders Cummings uh, assigned a minor league deal with the Braves. He got $100,000, which kind of surprised me and everyone. Um, but he has he has not played baseball since he was in high school. Uh, was was a thirty seventh round draft pick at that point in time. But he's twenty six now. Played uh, briefly in the NFL. Had some injury stuff. But uh, this is interesting. How, how did you feel about this when you, when you saw it? Because I was kind of blown blow away by the number, but not really surprised by anything else. Yeah, the money is a little surprising. I don't know how much money like former athletes in other sports get. I know there's some history of that happening in baseball. Obviously, Tim Tebow is the biggest current example of that. Um, I don't really feel too strongly about this either way. Like I think Coppy said, uh, what's the downside here when he was kind of asked about uh, Cummings coming to the team. But um, I kind of agree with that. I don't really expect anything to ever happen with this, to be honest. I mean, I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, you being in Georgia, maybe he was a, a football star there. I know he played for the Chiefs as well. But um, Jesse Sanchez said that he's strong and he's got some pop, and obviously he's extremely athletic. So you never really know uh, with with that kind of financial commitment. I guess I would agree with Copy that there's not really any downside here, and with the way the uh, the Braves outfield looks at this point, I don't know, may as well, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. It's I, mean, depth. I mean, I wouldn't expect him to come log any major league innings this season. Oh, that's definitely not going to happen, though. That's, uh, this is a situation where, like, if Sanders Cummings was 21, this would probably be intriguing because yeah. he is, as you said, a great athlete. If you're a good enough He's athlete 26. to play, yeah, if you're if you're good enough, good enough athlete to play defensive back in the NFL and was a good baseball player in high school, like that might actually matter. But um, this is more of a PR thing uh, than anything else. Uh, Can I, it I, really be a PR thing if no one knows him? I mean, am I people wrong? do like, locally do people though? Well, that's the thing. Him? Yeah, okay. I mean, he was he was a big deal at Georgia. I mean, he wasn't like. Okay a super duper star at Georgia, but like you're not from here. So you wouldn't be as plugged in. I mean, I'm not a Georgia yeah. football fan, but yeah. I knew who that was as soon as I heard it. It wasn't as, I, it's, it's hard, it's hard for me to judge because I, I know a lot of things about in college football. So yeah. I wonder if like the, the casual Georgia football fan slash Braves fan, which exists in droves, of course, knows much about Sanders Cummings, but he was a good football player and you know, he's a name enough. A uh, hundred grand sounds like a lot of money. And, and it, I think it is a lot of money for what they actually mm-hmm. are getting here. But as copy kind of said, and you said, that's not a ton as far as, as, far as the organization, nothing's, nothing's going to change for the Braves because they spent a hundred grand on Sanders Cummings. So, it's fine. It's it's intriguing, but as I said before, like this is this was the lesser uh, in terms in terms of, of, of actual impact between the two guys they added this uh, this week to the actual roster. The guy who they did add though is more intriguing. His name is Christian Walker. They signed. I picked him up from the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Walker turns 26 at the end of March. He's a a, a first baseman slash corner outfielder. Um, theoretically could, could provide some pop uh, from the right side of the plate and uh, be a backup option at corner outfield and behind Freddie Freeman. As we talked about a lot last week um, with the options behind Freeman, they're very kind of limited. Um, have you seen much on Walker? Obviously, this is not a guy I will admit that I knew a whole lot about before this mm-hmm. week, but uh, the, the numbers are pretty in- interesting to the point where I think um, the Braves might be keeping him around for a little while. 
Yeah, this is definitely more interesting as far as uh, seeing a guy at the big leagues this year. He's definitely got a chance to do it. Uh, I guess the Braves had to have a thing with picking up walkers. Um, but no, like you, I didn't know much about him. I'm looking at a, a piece by Wayne Cavadi on minor league ball that is an optimistic report on the Braves acquisition of him. I know you were reading that as well. Um, I mean, the Braves need someone on their bench, and we can get to this later, that, that can hit a little bit. And he's kind of had mixed results in the minor leagues. Uh, he hit really well in A and then went up to AAA and had mixed results. I know he's been kind of a streaky hitter. Uh, but I feel like he's a guy who could potentially do something for the team off the bench. So he's an interesting guy to watch as we move forward. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it seems like he was he was pretty well blocked in Baltimore by a couple of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we don't really know a ton about him, but you know his career numbers in the minors are pretty decent, about 800 OPS. Uh, you know, reasonable enough. Um, I, did, I think the, the big question here is just how good he would be defensively in the outfield because he was, at least from what I can gather, a primary first baseman that Baltimore sort of transitioned to the outfield. But um, mm-hmm. reports are that he was at least okay there. I would not claim to know much about this, so I'm interested to see how he looks in camp if the Braves get him going in the outfield because um, I, I, I can't imagine the Braves want to just carry a pure backup first baseman. Um, right now because of the way that the, uh, the bench is probably going to be constructed. We'll talk about, this, about that in a second. But if he can actually play the outfield, then this becomes very interesting because he might be a guy that fits well on the bench. So, you know, not a ton of power, but, you know, de- definitely decent enough if, if, if he's able to play the outfield. You know, first baseman, you want more power than he probably can bring. But if he can play the outfield, then sure. And play discipline's okay. Um, yeah, this is an intriguing he guy. He 18 home runs in uh, AAA in the past two seasons. So not bad. There might be, there might be some he can tap into. Yeah, I mean, I mean he, it's international league. It's not. It's not like it's the PCL, and he was having his numbers inflated to a crazy extent. But it's a very small sample in the majors. I think he has like twenty seven yeah. major league at bats. So I'm like, I'm going to throw those away completely and look at his minor league numbers. And he's a little bit on the older side, not a huge prospect, but the fact that he could be a reasonable guy for this year um, makes this an, intri- an intriguing move. So, and there are questions on the bench. That we'll talk about. In fact, this is going to kind of be uh, over the next couple of weeks. We're going to we're going to split split things up and kind of talk about each position group, and we're going to talk about the bench sort of in depth later on the podcast and uh, Walker will be a name that we definitely get in the mix there but uh intriguing I mean not not over the moon about it but one an option that's probably better than most most things that would have happened in uh, spring training this early all right yeah keep, uh, keep an eye on this guy yeah we'll see Christian Walker there it is uh Moving right along, uh, we, we talked about a couple weeks ago that the uh, the first over-under win total came out. Um, for those of you that are degenerates like I am, uh, <laughs> the Atlantis Casino. I love how you, you – let me just interrupt you real quick. You always make it seem like it's such a bad thing. Like you always put such a negative con- connotation anytime we jump into our little gambling sections. But I feel like a majority of the, of the people who are following teams in depth and do fantasy sports, I feel like most people are kind of okay with it and don't really mind it at this point. Like – do you, yeah. do you feel like gam- sports gambling still has a, a fairly negative connotation and among like the general public? I think it's come a long way, to be honest. Like, and shout out to people like Scott Van Pelt for like making it more mainstream and realizing mm-hmm. that people do this. And whether we talk about it or not, <laughs> like you don't have to you don't have to bet on stuff to realize that you know people are talking about this. And actually, it's actually an intriguing window. I think it's a good way to, to evaluate teams and stuff like that. You know, this I don't expect people to go out and run run out and uh, bet money on the Braves uh, over under because we told them to. But it's a good it's a good barrier. And listen, Las Vegas is really smart. I mean, people as we're talking about in a second, like 
I mean, anytime that much money's involved, you got to have some smart people. Well, there's in, yeah, there's a, there's a there's a there's a reason why uh, the buildings are so big in Las Vegas, <laughs> and it's because their bookmakers are, are, are probably smarter uh, than you are and that I am about this kind of stuff. So, um, with that said, yeah, I think I think it's definitely a little bit um, less negative than it used to be, and I'm I'm really just you know tongue and cheeking it with the with the, yeah. <laughs> with, the, with, the with the absolute degenerate comment, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it's. It's intriguing, and uh, what I was going to say was that you know the early number we talked about was seventy-one and a half. We both felt like that was really low, and uh, in a hurry that got corrected because uh, the Westgate Las Vegas, which is the biggest uh, sports book in the world, um, I've been there. It's a beautiful place. Um, <laughs> they've uh, upped the Braves number. They released it this week, and it was seventy-five and a half, um, which is a lot different than seventy-one and a half. It might you know might, you might think four wins is not a big deal. That's a giant yeah. move. Um, in this kind of world, uh, I'm interested to see how you feel about this one, you know, w- without getting too firm in, in our predictions that we want to probably save for closer to the season. This is a much more reasonable number, I would say. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I've, I've said 75 wins is what I expect the Braves uh, to have this season for probably like a month and a half now. Uh, the team hasn't really made any moves that make me want to change that. Uh, nothing's happened in the division that makes me want to change that. Um, and this makes me not want to bet on baseball ever because I'm, I, that's what I think they're going to be. And it's at 75 and a half. So I really don't know what I would take if I was actually going to bet on the team, but you no, wouldn't. I think this is, I think this is, <laughs> uh, much better than uh 71 and a half, at least as far as what I think is going to happen. Obviously, uh, we can touch on that at the end of the season to see just how wrong we are. Uh, cause you never really know what can happen in baseball. But yeah, I think, I think that, uh, there are probably a lot of people taking the over originally yeah that's the only way that makes it and listen uh i'm not trying to kill the atlantis casino but that number felt incredibly low to a lot of people not just and really not even just brace people you know a lot of outsiders mm-hmm. said the same thing so i wasn't surprised to see it a little bit higher this seems like about the best number possible uh whether wherever you fall on either side of the spectrum i think this is pretty, a pretty reasonable one if it had been you know somewhere in that 73 range i would have said go over and if it was somewhere in the 76 77 range i probably go i'd probably say go under so, that so what's your of, advice now don't bet. <sighs> Don't. Uh, yeah, I would. I would not. I think there's no value in this. Like at 71 and a half, I would have told you go out and get, go out and do the over if you think you want to do that. But uh, as as of now, I would say stay far, far away. This seems like a much better number to me. Yeah, uh, I would agree that, with that. Take that as you will, of course. This is for entertainment purposes only, Carlos. We must say that out loud. So, um, Well, yeah, that's interesting food for thought at the very least in addition to all the projected systems and stuff like that. So uh, we, I know we told you all last week that we were going to not do any more prospect lists, but we forgot about one. Yeah, uh, I feel bad about this too. <laughs> it's our fault. I think it was my fault that I said that first. I, I thought that was the end of it. Uh, Fangraphs, uh, who obviously does great work. If you do not check out Fangraphs on a regular basis, uh, you're making a, a mistake as a baseball fan. Fangraphs mm-hmm. is, is tremendous. Um, they put out their, their annual prospect list for the Braves. Um, they're sort of famous for one particular error in the uh, in the past that I'll let you make fun of if you want to. Yeah, um, that's fine. Uh, but uh, but Fangraphs' <laughs> list is interesting this year, I would say. Yeah, I think... I know both of us were really uh, – we, we kind of texted each other right when this list popped out and kind of sighed that we had to talk about another prospect list because it feels like we've been doing nothing but talking about prospect lists lately. But I'm kind of glad that Fangraphs was last because it at least is a little bit more interesting than some of the other ones have been. There's a few key differences in this list that uh, don't show up in some of the other lists we've talked about. But, yes, uh, I believe it was last season – yeah, last preseason, the Braves – had a complete joke of a prospect list. Uh, Fangraphs actually had to edit the list after it went live. That was not a good look for them. Ryan Weber. It, it is worth noting that uh, Eric Longenhagen, Longenhagen, I probably butchered his name, is in charge now. He does tremendous work. But yeah, Ryan Weber was the uh, number four prospect for the Braves last season, which 
should never have happened in the first place, but he's, <laughs> he's nowhere to be found on Eric's top 32 prospects in this list. You should definitely go check it out. A lot of good uh, information and insight. I'll run down the first 15 for you here. Um, if you want the complete list, you should definitely go check it out on Fangraphs. Um, he's got Dansby as the top prospect, and then it goes Ozzy Albies, Ronald Acuna, uh, Colby Allard, Kevin Maiton, Ian Anderson, Max Freed, Gohara, Soroka, Christian Pache or Pash. I know Eric said uh, Pash in one of his podcasts in the past, and me and Brad butcher names all the time, so I guess we can just side with Eric for this. But <laughs> Christian Pash at number 10. I think this is the highest he's been on any of the rankings, uh, and he's an interesting guy that we can touch on a little bit more if you want. But the final five are Sean Newcomb, Joey Wentz, Tuki Toussaint, Patrick Weigel, or Weigel. Weigel, I believe, is the right Tra- one. Travis Demerit. Or Demoretti, as I used to say. So. Oh my gosh, Carlos! Don't, don't, don't admit to that. That's that's bad. <laughs> I've um, got to. I mean, we're terrible with names here, so may as well keep the uh, trend going. Yeah. But what were your thoughts on this list? My first thought um, was was about Pash slash Pache, as uh, he's only 18, and to see that guy uh, that that high is intriguing. Uh, he was obviously awesome last year in his uh, minor league debut with the Braves, but um, not a guy I know a ton about yet. So it, I was intrigued to see him that high. Sean Newcomb felt a little bit low, but he's a very before we move off. Go ahead. Before we move off, uh, Pash Pache, whatever your name is. I'm just going to say Christian <laughs> yes. for the for the rest of the podcast. I think it's really interesting to point out the first line of Eric's uh, scouting report on him. He said, Christian arguably has the highest ceiling in this system of any player not named Kevin Maiton. Um, he pegs him as a 70 runner and a 70 arm. And to have two 70 tools at that age is, I mean, it's extremely impressive. Uh, before this, I think Ozzy was the only, only guy I saw with two 70 tools. That was by Baseball America with his hit tool and his uh, speed as well. But for for this guy to have the highest ceiling in the system to Eric, uh, aside from Kevin Maiton, is extremely impressive. It's very high praise. Um, And I feel like he's kind of a guy like Ronald Acuna, maybe a year behind him as far as the helium that he's getting as a prospect. I know Eric has talked a lot about um, how he likes this guy as well. I don't think they ranked him this high. But he's definitely a name to watch out for if you're really into the uh, prospects still. Uh, because he's got some tools there that are exciting, and he's a potential uh, five-tool player, I would imagine, just based on the, the tools that Eric says he has. So, very interesting player to watch. I mean, he could be great, but he's obviously he's a long still way away. has a long ways to go. So, I'm going to temper my expectations a little bit for now. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm cool with you know, given the tools, I'm cool with people going uh, going a little bit aggressive on him. It is it is early, but I'm always okay with that. Taking a little shot on a guy, you know. Uh, aside from that, you know, I, I was I thought it, it, interesting to see uh, Gohara on the list because of the mm-hmm. fact that he's not really been uh, included in, in some of these top tens that we've seen because, you know, pro- partially because of the fact that he was added so late to the mix. But um, an intriguing name to see him sort of fitting in behind Freed ahead of Soroka. Um, most places seem to be, you know, as you might expect, there's some divide on, on the pitchers. You know, this list is mm-hmm. a little bit higher on Anderson and Freed than most people are. A little bit yeah, lower, really lower, lower on Newcomb. Yeah, Newcomb. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to blame him because I, some some of my casual fan friends have been asking me about Newcomb recently mm. because uh, they were like, you know, isn't this the guy we traded for Simmons? And yes, yes, it is. Um, and mm. Newcomb, 
you know, it, it's it's the command thing. This is a big year for Nukem. We might have talked about it in the past, but unless he can prove he, that he has some real, you know, MLB level command, it's going to be rough. And he's getting, he's not old by any means. He's 23, so he's getting up there as far as prospects. Yeah, this is a big year for him, I think. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to have to crack the rotation by the middle of the year or it's some sort of um, disaster. But if he doesn't show real progression in Gwinnett at, at the outset, and then it might be starting to uh, have some alarm bells if they're not already going off. We should also point out that there are six teenagers that are in the top ten of this list. It's just crazy, man. That's ridiculous. Also, if you uh, take any stock into the future value ratings that Eric puts on, uh, there are 12 guys who he projects or predicts to be MLB average or better, which is extremely impressive to have in one system. If all of that was to pan out, it would be a miracle. But, I mean, just to have that kind of talent in your system that kind of depth is very impressive and is why the Braves are one of the, the top ranked uh, farm systems in the league right now uh no question about it and you know the bit the, the one knock on the Braves farm system is that they're uh they're all so far away but I, mm-hmm. I get that but the talent is the talent and uh there's been this notion that they don't have a lot of position players and uh while again these guys are far away too they, there's no shortage of those guys now there's more pitching there's no question about that but some mm-hmm. of the guys at the top of the list that you see you know even aside from Swanson you're talking about Albies and Acuna and and Christian Before the top five are all position players yeah my talent and I mean these guys the, the notion that the Braves don't have any position player talent is just not true anymore it's just not uh, with that said, we should go off of that and get into the bench preview that we kind of teased a little bit ago. Um, there's some stuff going on with the bench. Uh, there's only a few, it's only a few guys I would say, uh, that are locked in. Um, I think Jace Peterson, Chase Darno, and at least one of the catchers will be the locks between Anthony Recker and Kurt Suzuki. Um, those three guys are going to be in the, in the, on the bench barring uh, some sort of trade or some sort of injury. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would even... I don't. Maybe I'm going overboard here, but I would even go ahead and assume that Kurt Suzuki is going to be the guy. Um, I'm not sure. I would too. Unless, unless record just blows it out of the water and Suzuki looks terrible, I would assume that Suzuki is the backup catcher. Uh, and Peterson and Chase Darno, they both would have to have just awful springs to not make. I think the bench. I, and, I think yeah, Peterson I think, could have an awful spring and still be on the bench. <laughs> yeah, that's no, the thing. They, about, I mean, maybe 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 Darno, but I would be shocked if. Peter, I would be shocked if either any of these three were not on the bench uh, on opening day. So we'll so, uh, we'll we'll assume so that. The biggest questions are the next two. Then <laughs> I have no idea. First of all, do you think the Braves bench is in a good place right now? I feel like this is might be the weakest area of the team. Yeah, it, it's not in a good place. And I mean, there's there's questions that pe- the people were asking about the bench that kind of weave into this. You know, John John McNinch on Twitter asked us like who the who the likely candidates were for the bench spots, and do you think they'll go with seven in the bullpen? Um, I think you and I talking a little bit before this podcast. I think they're going to go with seven in the bullpen. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not assuming that full tilt, but I think you know, worst comes to worst, they'll go with that, and that that leaves only five spots on the bench. And yeah, um, we were talking about this before, but I think if if the bullpen is the biggest strength of this team, and that's kind of the, th- the thought that we have, uh, and what we've heard from from John Copalella. Oh, also, we have confirmation on his last name pronunciation and his ass copy. I don't know if you guys all. Uh, check that out, but if not, you need to go back and look at it. But someone asked him how to pronounce his last name, and he did say it was pronounced Copalella, but he is also called Copy. So, so that's confusing, it- but we do know how to pronounce the general manager's name. So a huge win for the podcast. Yeah, shout out to uh, Zach Dillard, who sent me an angry text last week about uh, us making fun of his pronunciation. So I'm sorry, Zach. Um, you yeah, were, that's you just, were right. I mean, we were wrong, as always. We're just continuing to uh, botch our name pronunciations, even calling other people out for their name pronunciations that are actually right. But 
I think the lesson here is the Braves need to get people named Smith and Roland uh, on the team so it's easy to pronounce, right? Yeah, I've had one one or two uh, radio interviews where people address me as Rowland, though, so I guess it's not that okay, easy. Never mind, we can't have you either. Sorry. Uh, but anyway. We need all the Malik Smiths back. Yes, all the Malik Smiths. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean... I think it's three. The three guys we said are locks, and if we are, if we're trying to choose between you know the, some other people for two spots instead of three, it becomes a little bit more interesting. You have Christian Walker, you have Rio Ruiz, you have uh, Johan Camargo, you have Micah Johnson. Um, I guess you could talk me into a sleeper in the outfield like like uh, Dustin Peterson, Emilio um, Bonifacio, or Emilio Bonifacio. Yeah, I don't. I hope that's not going to happen, <laughs> but it might. I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, if he's I a think spring. just looking at those names, I feel like he's got to be. I don't want to say a favorite because I don't really know if there are any favorites, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he wound up with a bench spot to open the season. It really depends on what they want, though. I don't really like that, but there are no hitters on this bench right now. I mean, Jace Peterson currently is the best hitter off the bench. And that's why I think you and I agree that Walker has a good chance to make it because he looks (laughs) like he might be the best bat of them all. Yeah. Um, I would like to see Rio Ruiz. I think you will agree with me on that. If it's at least if he seems ready in spring, um, I think Camargo is a defense-only guy. Uh, Micah Johnson's sort of intriguing because he's talented, but yeah. And what does I guess what does Camargo give you that you can't get from Jace Peterson and or uh, Chase Darno? Like, like what is he Shorts, adding? Shortstop, I guess. I mean, both those guys can play it. If you think that, I mean, Chase played there. Jace hasn't played there in the majors. I don't think for like. I don't know if he's played there in the majors at all, but he's played there and he came up as a shortstop. And if you're looking at a third shortstop on the team, if you're assuming Chase is the backup guy there, I mean, do you really need Camargo? Is his defense that much better than what Chase or Peterson's would be at? I'm sure it is, but it's just whether whether that's worth it because that's the only thing that he would be bringing to the table. Yeah, the thing is, like, you, you don't have any people that can hit on the bench. I don't know if it's worth it for this team to, I guess – commit to just a backup shortstop for defensive reasons. And that's the argument against, uh, against Ruiz is if you don't think Mm -hmm. he can hit, he's really just a third baseman. So versatility wise, if you want to get, get away with either, you know, Darno or or Peterson behind Adonis Garcia, I I understand that. I think Mm -hmm. Ruiz being a lefty would be helpful on the bench. Um, If he could hit it all, that would be really nice. Uh, This is a bad bench. I'd be uh, people are asking that. Let's just get to that right away. I think Mm -hmm. this is this looks like a bad bench to me. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't. I would be surprised if a rebuilding team had a good bench because I mean that means that your starters are all pretty good as well. So I would assume most most poor or mediocre teams don't have really good benches. I know the Nationals are a good team. They have a crappy bench as well, but they're probably the outlier there. Um, They're a starter scrubs team too. They they go they go high and low end, which is fine. I get it. But I know there were some Kelly Johnson rumblings. What do you think about that? Because I feel like he would be – normally in the past, if people would ask me about what do you think about adding Kelly Johnson, I'd be like, meh. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that the Braves are always interested in and seemingly will be for an infinite amount of time. But I feel like he his bat would be a nice addition to this current group of players. And if you, uh, you want to look at his history, he's the Giants are kind of an even-year team. We know that, and it looks like Kelly Johnson is an odd-year hitter. If you go back to uh, 2011, his uh, weighted on-base average fluctuates every single year, uh, and it has for the past six years now. 2016 was his down year, so if this trend continues, 
you might be able to get a lot of value for Kelly Johnson when that weighted on base average goes <laughs> up to like 323, like 2015. I want above people, the major league average. I want people to know that Carlos is not serious about this because people are going to get really angry about this, I feel like. Uh, but no. Uh, <laughs> Kelly. I'm glad you pointed that out. Well, I just want people to understand that you're being a little bit sarcastic, just a little bit on this. Uh, but I, no. I still think that his bat would be useful, but yeah. Right, I mean, no, it is. I'm not talking about him as a trends. player. I'm talking about the, talking about <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the, the, the odd year thing. Uh, yeah. But no, Kelly, I actually. Odd year magic. I would be, I'd be, I'd be on board with this. Um, I think uh, old pal Ben Deronio is the leading uh, Kelly Johnson fan, but I'm not mm-hmm. far behind. I really like Kelly. Um, and, you know, he's 35. There's a concern that he could just be done, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's possible. But for what the, the problem is that he apparently wants a, a, major league, a major league deal, according to John Heyman. Um, and I understand the Braves might be, you know, reticent to give him that, not knowing what they're going to get from him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He For me, you look at these options, and he might be one of the better ones you have. And because he's a left-handed bat, he can play third base, he can play the outfield. Um, he kind of fits what you need. Uh, maybe even play first base if you need him to. So, um, we'll see if that materializes. Obviously, the Braves probably aren't the only team interested in Kelly Johnson, but um, given the track record that even if uh, if the Braves bring him in and he plays well, they can trade him like they have a hundred times before. So, I'd be I'd be on board with this for sure. I understand maybe the hesitation a little bit on their end, but if they can get him to commit, especially for a minor league deal, I would definitely do it. Major league deal, maybe not, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I definitely would be interested in him for sure. So, if you had to project the bench, or if you were in charge of picking the bench who your, who your players would be that you're carrying into opening day. Do you know, do you know five that you would take at this point or it really, here, of- here's the question for me. It, for me, it would be the three guys we talked about, you know, Peterson, Darno and the, and a catcher, probably mm-hmm. Suzuki. Uh, I would take, you know, with what we know right now and nothing else, I would take Walker as one of the four, as, as my fourth. And then the question is, is Rio, Rio Ruiz ready or not? Because mm-hmm. if he's ready, then he's like, he's my, he's my fifth guy. And we roll with, uh, we roll with Jace as the backup shortstop or Darno, whatever you want to, whatever mm-hmm. what you want to do there. I, I want no part. So you of also them. have one of them being your backup center fielder too, two premium defensive. Jace is, Jace is my backup center fielder regardless. To be honest, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a, a, a an actual option. Uh, Bonifacio is a terrible center fielder. <laughs> People think that he's a good at defense because he's fast. He's not. He's never been a good defensive center fielder. Matt point. Kemp is going to be playing left field the whole season, just oh. to let you know. So yeah, so, that's not deterring anyone from putting him out there. But I guess he's I got the bat. So yeah, I mean, I don't love the fact that they that they don't have a credible backup backup center fielder outside of Jay. So I think can do it, but Bonifacio is not that guy. So um, regardless, there really isn't that option on the roster anywhere, even available. So yeah, I, I really don't want any part of Bonifacio. I have a feeling the Braves will keep him. That's my that's my guess at this moment is that they. For some reason, they keep bringing him back, and there's something that the front office likes about Bonifacio. I just don't really see that, other than the fact that he can play everywhere. So I guess that's probably his uh, his chief appeal. But for me, Peterson, Darno, one of the catchers, Walker, and Ruiz, it would be my five. But uh, that is with the caveat that we don't know if Rio is ready. We just don't. So we'll see in a couple weeks maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping the Braves won't take spring too seriously on really anyone. But Ruiz, you kind of have to a little bit just because of the fact that um, he was okay last year in Gwinnett. And he was young for the level. But um, I don't know. The other part of that is that I really don't want Adonis Garcia playing third base every day for 162. Mm-hmm. So uh, having Rio as an option there wouldn't be bad either. Yeah, so if you if you were going into it with, with Rio, would you do a strict platoon or is it Adonis is getting most of the starts and then you can put Rio in a, yeah. a lot of the time because he's, the, the, uh, he's going against the righties so you, you have more chances to play him. Yeah, we talked about this before and it's, it's, sort of, it's an interesting thing with Rio in that 
it's really what the Braves think of him long term because they th- if they think he's going to be their third baseman of the future, then I I'd understand not bringing him up and you getting him getting him more at bats in AAA against left-handed pitching. Um, we know he can hit righties probably credibly right now. Uh, so if you want to make your team the best it can be this year, I think a strict platoon would probably be the way to do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just whether you want to sacrifice uh, Ruiz's development a little bit by not having him face lefties really at all because. If, if that's if that's the case, then he's only playing you know you know half the time or less. Because I still think even if they went to a platoon uh, to some degree, they're they're going to be days where, where Garcia, at least at the beginning of the year, plays against righties because Garcia is the quote unquote starting third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd be okay with it. I don't think Rio's ceiling is so high that you have to worry about that too much. Uh, you know, studying his development. But I can see the argument on both sides of it. For me, if you want your team to be the best, though, I think having him on the roster is probably the way to go. Yep. All right, I like that. I like the idea. I know the Braves have talked about going slower with Rio Ruiz in the past, uh, and I've kind of talked about how I think that would be a good idea just because he's struggled in the past, had a good year last season. But uh, Well, by the way, by the way, before you keep going, he's 22 years old. Hmm. Like, he's obscenely young still. Like, last year, I think he was one of the younger players in AAA even. So it's like yeah. it's not as if he's getting uh, long in the tooth here if they want to take him slow. Yeah. Uh, I think I'd go with the same. I, I'm not as convinced. I, I feel like you're higher on Walker than me, but that is also just because I don't know too much about him. Um, I think another guy who would be interesting, I would be very surprised if this actually happened, is a guy like Dustin Peterson, though. He's a non-roster invite. Obviously did really well in A last season, but that's the highest level he's been to at this point. He's 22 um, that would be a little riskier, but with the outfield depth that the Braves have, uh, I don't think I'd mind it too much. Um, in that situation, you don't really have a true backup first baseman. I know Chase can play there. Um, you have Nick Markakis who can play there, so he would be an interesting guy for me. But there's really not a fifth guy who I'm excited about <laughs> putting on the bench. Kelly, Kelly Johnson, baby, here which, we which go. Which is why I, I hope they actually do something with Kelly Johnson or another hitter who kind of can't really do anything else, but I feel like he needs some pop on the bench. But again, I don't really think the Braves are going to be competing for the division and you, you don't really have great benches on teams that aren't great. So, oh, Last guy, before we get away from this, we should at least talk about Micah Johnson a little bit. Is mm-hmm. he a guy that you are interested in at all? Because he's the one guy we haven't talked about. And he's, he's a talented guy. I mean, this is, a, this is somebody who was a, a sort of a former prospect that, that's now sort of post-hype. He's, a 20, he's 26 years old. The Braves got him for basically nothing in January. But he's at least talented enough. I, I didn't know he's an infielder, athletic guy. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if he's worth even investing in. But I, we, I should, just, we should at least talk about I'm, it. I honestly feel like he's a Jace Peterson light, and I don't feel like you want to carry guys that are a, a utility player B version. Uh, he's older than Jace. He can do less with the bat. I think the one thing is he's faster than him, and he can steal you a few bases, but I don't think the Braves are in a position where they can carry a pinch runner, sole, uh, like a sole pinch runner on the bench. If you think his center field defense is better than the other two and you're really worried about that, I guess you could put him there, but... I wouldn't want him to be hitting a whole lot, and I don't think that he gives you much more than what someone like Jace or Chase Darno can. Yeah, I think so. uh, for me, I don't know. It's the 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 only the only real thing with Johnson is that he can play the outfield. I'm not sure Camargo can. So if they for some reason was choosing were choosing between one of those two guys, oh. um, Camargo's defense is better. He can actually play shortstop. Johnson apparently can't play shortstop from everything I've read. He's more of a second base slash outfield kind of guy without a real bat to speak mm-hmm. of. So. 
I don't think he's that interesting, but I want to at least bring it up because he's the only other guy who's really um, in the mix from what you can see on the roster. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you and I kind of agree that he's not a guy that would be ideal. Uh, I wouldn't be terribly upset if for some reason he was great in spring, but he is 26. I think you kind of know what he is at this point. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I wouldn't be excited, but I'm not excited about this position group at all in general. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jace is the best player here, and I mean that kind of speaks to the uh, the talent of the bench. Not to uh, don't slander Jace. Jace. I, I love think, Jace. I think he could be a quality player and help you out, but he is what he is. He's not gonna be in the middle of a lineup anytime soon. So no, yeah. So the moral of the story: the uh, the bench bats are gonna be bad this year. So don't expect <laughs> too much. There has been some uh, lean years in this in this position group in the recent past, and this might be another one of those. Um, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll come moral back. Of the story is Freeman Swanson. And NCRT cannot get injured this season. None of those, yeah, none of those guys can get injured. <laughs> uh, I, I have a feeling if Swanson got actually get injured for a long time, it, we we would see Ozzy Albies. To be honest, I can't imagine they would actually go for if Swanson, you know, knock on wood, uh, had a three month injury. Mm-hmm. I think you'd see Ozzy. Oh God, I think you'd see Ozzy full time. To be honest, and by the way, that'd be the smart thing to do because uh, at worst, if you brought in, brought up Ozzy, you could at least showcase him for a trade at minimum. So that would be the yeah. move. I don't think you want to. Brad is all about putting well, no, I just stuff and trading him away. Well, no, it, well that yeah, that that's that's partially true, but at the same time, like I don't think you want anybody on the other anybody else on the roster doing that full time. You know, Jace would be no, the obvious option, but defensively, that would not be great with him and Phillips at and Phillips at the age of whatever he is, 35, 36. What's Eric Ibar doing these days? Oh, my heavens. Well, that's a good way to leave that. Um, let's, leave, <laughs> let's leave on Eric Ibar. Uh, before we, Making your segues easy today, Brad. Yeah, that was nice. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's that's the uh, that's the bench preview. We'll get into the we'll get into the bullpen the starters and the lineup at some point. Yeah, hopefully those other ones will be more exciting to talk about. They will be. At least as far as us being optimistic about the position groups. But that's going to happen. I would, I would say this is the weakest area of the team again. For sure, I, I would agree with you on that. Um, before we get out of here, let's hit some mailbag questions. Uh, the first of which allows you to, uh, you know, sort of put out a, a controversial opinion. Uh, our own Demetrius Bell uh, called you on this. He said, "Yeah, um, well, he kind of like low key called me out." Yeah, he asked uh, actually a question about WBC, and I, I refuse to talk about WBC again because I just don't care. Um, but the second part of the question from our good friend DB uh, was about. Um, Carlos uh, slandering the Yankees uniforms and uh, Demetrius said uh, that the Yankees uniforms are great and he can't believe that one of us, which is Carlos, slandered them <laughs> and he said he will hang up and listen. So Carlos, All right. fire your so take, my friend. Listen up, Demetrius. Uh, I was watching SportsCenter this morning and for whatever reason, the ESPN people felt that it was necessary to give me 20 minutes of Yankees-specific spring training coverage. I couldn't name more than maybe five people on the Yankees roster currently, but... Uh, I noticed that they're wearing their same uniforms that they've worn since like 1910 or even before that. And I know everyone loves these uniforms, but I do not understand the craze for boring pinstripe bland uniforms. I think they're honestly like if that was my team, I wouldn't be excited about them like running out onto the field looking like that. I just think it looks weird. Maybe it's dated, but the only reason it's a classic feel and people like it is because they've won so much with them. And if that's your argument, I mean, that's not speaking to the aesthetics of the uniform, Demetrius. So I'd love to hear your counter argument as to why they are good uniforms. I'd take pretty much any other team in the league except for oh, – there's one that had – the Rockies. But the Rockies, Wait, they have the pinstripes as well. Any team in the league? There are some bad uniforms, but that is I'm, a not blazing a, I'm not take. a fan of the pinstripes, man. I've never been a fan of the pinstripes. What are what is your least favorite uniform in baseball in the league? Yeah, 
You can't even think of one you like. Really. No, you I, th- really I like. think the, I think the D backs are awful in general. Their logo is bad, but well, that makes the yeah. uniform bad. Their their whole their whole concept is bad. <laughs> uh, I think you know there's some other ones that are. You mentioned the Rockies. I would take the Padres uniforms over the Yankees. Uh, that's not that. That's not that crazy. But to say the Yankees are the, the Padres are the worst don't even in know baseball, what main color they are. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you cook on this one. That's all I'll say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay out of the <laughs> way. Right. You get, I would just love to have Demetrius on here just to talk about baseball uniforms. And, and he'll and do it. it. Listen, yeah. DB is a huge uniform slash logo guy. He is uh, mm-hmm. plugged in that world. So at some point in the off season, maybe after this year, we'll have to talk about that. Uh, that should have been a podcast we did this year, apparently. Uh, between All right, well, we have to touch on the Braves uniforms before we move on. But like sure. on, a, on a 2080 scale or maybe a 1 to 10 scale, if you're more comfortable with uh, with that, what would you rate the Braves jerseys kind of all together? Not one specific, but just their uniforms. Uh, it's like, are we, I, wait, which scale am I using? 2080 for baseball you purposes? You can whichever one you want. All right, we'll go 2080. I will say the Braves uniforms are like a 55. Okay. They're okay. So I was going to say 60 just because I'm more fond of their look. I love uh, the red. I love the look. Sunday reds. I'll say that. The Sunday yeah. reds are great. I like their colors. I like their logo. It's nothing too crazy. They kind of play it safe most of the time. Uh, I would say 55 is solid. I might might even go 60 if I'm feeling nice, but that's definitely about right. better They're than okay. Yankees uniforms. <laughs> Uh, I love the take. Uh, we will leave that there uh, before we <laughs> keep going. Uh, a question that doesn't actually has no answer uh, from Anthony Del Sandro: Should Bartolo Colon be inducted into the Braves Hall of Fame before or after the season? Um, yes. Yes is the answer on both counts. Uh, my my tongue in cheek joke on Twitter was that he should be inducted during the seventh inning stretch of the season opener at uh, SunTrust Park, in which he is pitching or we scheduled to pitch. Um, so we'll see how that happens there. Uh, shout out to Bartolo Colon, though. Uh, he's a, he is a delight and remains as well. I'm so excited we're going to see him hit, man. I'm way more excited to see him hit than to see him pitch. Is that bad? Uh, no, it's not bad. I think um, just uh, this, is an, this is an insider thing, but uh, if you even just look uh, in Talking Chop, for those of you that don't know, there's a backend software where you would type up a post. Um, and we go to go to find an image. If you just type in Bartolo Colon in the search in the search feature, it, it is just incredible how much Bartolo Colon oh, imagery there is out it's there. So I was actually going to go put one up. Uh, I think it was for the last podcast when I was posting it. I found this hilarious Bartolo picture, and I was like, "Wait, there's no way that we haven't used this already." Sure enough, I go to the site. It's like on one of our featured posts, and I was ticked that I didn't get to use it, but extremely happy that it had already been used. It was like him like stretching with like an, a resistance band or something. It was fantastic. You still there, Brad? Oh, no. No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. We're good. I'm sorry. Oh, I lost you for a second. It was my <laughs> fault. I, like, I, I may have had the mute button clicked and it was talking. Um, I feel like that was genuine sorrow for me that I, I thought I had lost you on the call. I was, uh, I was talking. I couldn't realize why <laughs> you weren't listening. It was because uh, I was muted. So that's professionalism, folks. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Bartolo is Bartolo's a delight, and uh, yeah, you'll see it throughout the season. I, I think every time I, every time I do a post that has any way to tie to, to Cologne, I'm going to use an image of Cologne because that's just what's going to happen. Mm. Um, before we get out of here, last question, and actually somewhat serious one from Robbie Tinsley. Uh, what is one early sign that that this team will uh, be competitive, uh, and what is one uh, con- and sorry, and conversely? What is one sign that this team might not be competitive? So something uh, on the field that would be a uh, an ominous one or an encouraging sign early on in the season. I mean, I feel like this is extremely obvious, but if they're winning games, it would probably be a good sign that they're competitive. And if they're not, it would be non-competitive. But uh, more seriously, to answer your question, I think um, if Mike Fulton-Evich is looking good, that uh, 
significantly increases the Braves' chance of being actually con uh, competitive. If his, specifically, his location, his command of his fastball, and his feel for his off-speed pitches, if those are looking sharp early on, I feel like that's a good sign that maybe you could uh, get a little excited about. Um, if Matt Kemp looks any better in the outfield, that would be something to be excited about. I know I, I dog on Kemp pretty much as much as I can, but we've heard nothing but good things about him from spring training. Uh, read into that however much you want. Um, I don't know. You're not going to be able to know super early. You you always have these fluky starts from teams across across baseball, and it doesn't really speak to how they're going to end the season or their actual talent level. So uh, you probably just want to look to see how individual players look. Uh, this is more of what, what scouts can do better than the, the casual fan. But what do you think, Brad? Yeah, in general, I think your point is uh, the correct one there. Um, in terms of uh, overarching things, though, I think the, I think the rotation is the uh, is the indicator one way or the other. I think the lineup mm -hmm. kind of is what it is. There's it's not going to be spectacular, but I think there's a, a floor provided. There's no serious injuries with the lineup. It can't be that bad uh, in the rotation, though. Some of the older guys, obviously Cologne and mm -hmm. Dickey, you, you'll be able to tell pretty early. I think if those guys have it or they don't. Um, also, Garcia um, is a sort of legendary injury risk. So if he is healthy and pitching well, that would be really encouraging. But um, you know the Braves do have a lot of depth in the, in the uh, organization uh, pitching wise, but most of it is not high mm -hmm. in depth. Um, you know after the, after the after the current five, we talked about Aaron Blair, Matt Whistler, and uh, maybe Sean Newcomb would be the eighth guy there. And um, I'm not convinced that any of those guys are going to be major league ready. So if there's issues uh, early on with with the rotation, I would worry. Uh, encouraging wise though, if those guys are good, that would be huge yeah. for the Braves. And also uh, you mentioned Kemp. I would actually think of uh, guys like Adonis like Adonis Garcia. If he mm -hmm. is, uh, there's a chance he could just be awful, to be honest. Or if he's just what he was the last couple of years and is passable, that would be really helpful. And Brandon if his Phillips defense well. continues to improve, I don't. There's only so much he can improve defensively. But if it's like it was near the end of the season, I know people were getting encouraged with how he was playing the hot corner in the field. If he's not terrible, I know you've talked about this a lot, but if he's not absolutely terrible at third and still does what he does with the bat, that's encouraging in and of itself. I don't know if it's going to drastically change the Braves' outlook on things, but. I think I tend to agree with you that those three veteran pitchers are kind of where the variance of this team is going to be. Yeah, that that would be the easiest one. There are other other guys. What well. you know, Brandon Phillips would be it'd be helpful if he was if he was pretty good this year. My expectations are very low, but uh, even if he's mm -hmm. the, if, but my, my thing is even if he's disastrous, you, you kind of know what Jace Peterson is. So if Peterson yep. becomes Eric Ibar for some reason and just decides to fall off a cliff, you at least have or Jace. Phillips. Yeah, you, you yeah yeah that's what I meant. You at least have Jace behind him. So. Uh, yeah, there's there's some things to pivot, uh, but early on, I think uh, tempering expectations in either direction is always mm -hmm. a smart thing to do because uh, small sample stuff will take over. There's always a bad team that starts 19 and 10, and there's always a good team that starts 10 and 19. So yeah, uh, the only person on that. you should be worried about early season results is the manager. Yeah, Brian Snicker in the past. And he has a short-term contract. So yep. uh, tying that back into a previous discussion earlier in the offseason, uh, Snick cannot afford a bad season this year. He's the one no. guy that doesn't really have any leash uh, from what we've seen. So we'll keep an eye on that. Well, Carlos, uh, that'll wrap it up for today, my man. Uh, you have anything going on, anything we should look for outside of just normal talking chop stuff this week? Um, oh, I do, actually. I, I got a uh, new mic brought in this weekend, and I was really hoping to use it for this podcast. But – some random little piece of equipment didn't come in that I need. So I know last episode I talked about how it was nice to have the uh, audio issues fixed. And then sure enough, someone complained that my keyboard was too loud again. So next week you should expect much improved audio on my end of things. <laughs> I'm really excited to use it. I feel like a 
professional radio guy with this fancy condenser mic that I have. So I would just expect me to sound a lot better, which I'm excited about. That, that's always a good thing. Uh, <laughs> other than that, we'll be doing a full sprint training coverage. We, uh, you know, trying to uh, recap every game without actually recap, recapping games, but we're talking about players, things like that. Because uh, as we, uh, at least you should know at this point, three training results don't really matter aside from uh, what individual players actually do. So keep an eye on the site this week. Uh, follow Carlos on Twitter at Carlos Colazzo. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the site on Twitter at Talking Chop. And uh, also on Facebook. Check out the site on Facebook because uh, we always put stuff uh, there. Also some, some bonus content. Uh, if you want to get bonus content, some Facebook Live with, with our good pal Eric Cole on Prospects. Jeez, that'll be fun. There's lots of stuff going on there. So uh, follow us on, on all those platforms. Enjoy the baseball week. We'll be back again next week to talk about, uh, I guess we'll do the bullpen. I don't know. We'll do, some, we'll do something. We'll do another, another position group. And uh, we'll wrap things up from there. So uh, for everybody, for Carlos, for me, enjoy the week and uh, go Braves.